What's up and welcome to the HorrorCast, episode number 170. Tonight, we will continue our Cronenberg, our David Cronenberg retrospective. Tonight, we'll be looking at uh, two films, 1979's The Brood and 1981's Scanners, as we work our way through most of Cronenberg's horror uh, lineup. So I am one of your hosts tonight, Mark Nato, and let's bring in uh, from Connecticut, uh, Reverend Vin. What's up? What's up, everybody? I'm happy to talk Cronenberg some more. Um, the Brood was a blind spot for me, so it was great to get that one done. And returning to Scanners, but it's barely been about, it was over, I think, 20 years since I had seen Scanners. So in a lot of ways, it was kind of like a first watch. So. Nice, nice. All right, let's bring in next uh, from out on the West Coast, Jessica. What's up, Jessica? Hey, guys. Excited to be here talking more Cronenberg. Um, these are two that I have actually seen before. So there's that's new for y'all instead of uh, first-time watches. But, yeah, I was excited to revisit them. These are two good installments, I think. Very nice. And uh, from down in Kentucky... Uh, on her phone because there are some technical difficulties poor things stepped on her tablet there's a battery problem with her laptop it is just bad news but she's gonna soldier on so she will sound a little bit different uh she's on her phone taminator tammy what's up I offered to sit it out, but they, you know, were desperate for my company. So here I am. Happy birthday, Vin. I saved my wishes so I could tell you in person. No, oh, thank you. Yeah, happy <laughs> birthday. Happy birthday. Are you 40 yet? Yeah, beyond He's that. 42. Yeah. I, could, I don't remember. Jessica's the one that's not 40 yet. Right? Yeah, 12. Yeah, she's 12. 12. <laughs> That'd be really weird considering I have an 18-year-old. You know, <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> what? Maybe in a Cronenberg movie. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, all right. Uh, well, let's just get right into it as we go through um, uh, this Cronenberg retrospective. Uh, last time we went through Shivers and Rabbit and enjoyed both of those. I think everyone was... You know, uh, we had mixed reactions, but everyone pretty much enjoyed them. And tonight, uh, you get to see that Cronenberg, I think he starts to get a little bit more money. (laughs) He gets a little bit more um, uh, backing from some uh, producers, from some uh, studios or whatever. And it's really, you can see it uh, in his uh, film making. Um, So The Brood. Uh, 1979 will be our first review. Um, again, 1979 rated R one hour and 32 minutes, uh, on IMDB. It's got a 6.8 out of 10 average rating, 32,000 reviews there. And on, um, Rotten Tomatoes, this, this one's got a 83%, uh, tomato meter. Um, that, that is what you would get like if you did all of the uh critics so this is a, a a critic darling this is a movie that critics really liked audience score with over 5,000 ratings um 68 which is still pretty good for for a horror film um so um again he wrote 
and directed this and the stars of this movie this he was starting to get some uh some swag here with his uh with his cast i mean That's oliver reed <laughs> oliver reed is dr hal raglan and I'm sorry, Oliver Reed's awesome. I love Oliver Reed and almost everything he does. He's a little bit over the top. He's a little bit. He's a little bit like William Shatner esque. Yes. Sometimes. Yes. Uh, he's the English William Shatner. Yeah, but he uh, he's really good in this film, and um, and I'm sure he probably his salary probably made up most of the film's budget. Samantha Eager is that Eager or Egger? Eggers, I think. As as Nola, um, Art Hendel as Frank, Henry Beckman as Barton, uh, Nuala Fitzgerald as Juliana, Cindy Hines as Candace or Candy, um, Susan as uh, Susan Hogan as Ruth Mayer, and Gary McKeegan or McKeehan as Mike Trellin. And I'm looking. I don't see. I don't even see that um, uh, Cronenberg was in this one. Sometimes he m- takes a little uh, little Alfred Hitchcock thing, and he does, doesn't in this one. Um, I found it interesting that uncredited a distrib- distribution producer of this movie was Roger Corman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he so, was an American uh, distributor. American distributor, okay. Um and I wanted to mention this because we'll talk about this, I'm sure. But the music uh, from Howard Shore. Uh, yep. Howard Shore was the um, oh, yeah. the guy. He was a Canadian composer. Uh, he was um, he he was up until uh, even 2022. He's he's still alive. He did the music for Crimes of the Future, which is Cronenberg's. Isn't it his latest film? I don't yeah. think he's done one since. Um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so they're still working together, and he's done things um, uh, composer-wise. I'm looking here. Lord of uh, the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Hail, Lord of the Hail Rings. Blue Eye, which we just yep. saw not too just long ago. Uh, this, but this year. The, yeah. the Hobbit movies. Uh, not the old ones, but the 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 newer ones. I mean that. You can you can just hear those Lord of the Rings scores. Oh yeah, uh, that's amazing. There's some good stuff. So this guy uh, is really um, talented, and I thought the music in this one was a standout. Tell you yeah, that. I agree. That's yeah. probably my biggest. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say my biggest like, but I thought it really elevated the movie, and that it really fit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it really stood out to me. And then when we watched the next film, um, you know, they worked together again, again, I was like, yeah, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, and I love the Lord of the Rings soundtracks. I listen to them all the time. Um, so yeah. when I saw, Oh, Howard Shore, I know yeah. Howard Shore. Come on. You gotta do that. Perfect. So good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. So I agree. I just yeah. want to jump in and say that. <laughs> Um, and I wanted to mention some, uh, makeup department since this has kind of got, uh, some, some actual special effects. We've got, uh, Shauna Jabour as a makeup artist, Dennis Pike, special makeup, uh, Jack Young, special makeup. And the special effects director was Alan Cotter, who I'm looking, um, 
I mean, I don't see much else on his, I mean, he's, he's on prom night, 1980. Uh, I can't remember if that film had a, a ton of like actual great special effects. I don't think it did. Um, but that's the only other, um, horror movie that he did a, uh, special effects for. So, and it's weird. He went from 1980 and doing prom night. And then his next credit is 1993. So I don't know where he went. <laughs> so I just want to give him a shout out because there's some cool, cool stuff that happens in this film. All right. Uh, I'm going to give you just a, a brief synopsis of, of, of scanners. Um, I'm trying to see here. Come on. There we go. Not scanner. Why did I say scanner? <laughs> I was going to say, oh, wait, you mean the bird? Me. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a complete idiot. All right. A man tries to uncover an unconventional psychologist therapy techniques on his institutionalized wife amidst a series of brutal murders. Um, I don't know if that's great. <laughs> but basically Oliver Reed is this psychologist and he's got these therapy techniques that are really cutting edge or controversial. And there seems to be uh, some murders happening uh, with uh, some munchkins in red snow suits uh, <laughs> killing people. And it's all connected and it's kind of like a little bit of a mystery um, trying to figure it out. And, uh, yeah, so that that's what is happening here. Good enough? All right, I don't care if it is or not. That's good enough for me. All right, we're going to roll the trailer. When we get back, we're going to get into our, our thoughts on The Brood. from the unknown and they're here now hiding waiting to strike you can feel their presence all around you never before have you come this close to the edge of terror Never before have you faced anything so strange and sinister, so bizarre and unnerving. Never until now. David Cronenberg's The Brood. Are you ready for me, Frank? I seem to be a very special person now. I'm in the middle of a strange adventure. I want to go with you wherever you go. Do you? Yes. Then look! The Brood. You can run. You can hide and hope they won't find you. But you won't escape. Once unleashed, The Brood will destroy anyone who gets in their way. David 
Robert Cronenberg's ultimate experience in inner terror. Starring Oliver Reed and Samantha Egar. The Brood. They're waiting for you. All right, we're back. Um, were these your picks, Vin? Uh, no, 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 these are my picks. Oh, Jessica. Okay, well, I'm going to let you go first then, Jessica. Uh, tell, me, tell us why you picked The Brood. Well, I guess maybe we were kind of going with a, uh, a, um, a chronological mm-hmm. you know, thing. Yeah, but, and these were two that I had actually seen before, so I, can, yeah. I felt comfortable um, mothering them for the yeah. series. Um, but yeah, I, I first watched the brood, I think about 10 years ago and it was, you know, a blind spot that I needed to fill at that time. And, um, I remember feeling like pretty underwhelmed when I first watched it. I was expecting a lot more of the creatures, I think, because of how talked up this movie is, um, by our community. Um, so I have to say that my first impression was a little underwhelming, um, I will say, though, that coming into it for this rewatch, I had the opposite reaction. So I liked it a lot. (laughs) I liked it very much. I really, really enjoy the story. Um, And I like how personal it is for David Cronenberg. I think that it shines through as like a really true, you know, like deeply emotional story because it came from real life events. Yeah. I think it gave it a lot of depth. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, so to get into overall, that, I really like it. To get into that, right, he was going through a divorce and a custody battle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what is happening here. Uh, his wife is institutionalized and going through some issues, and he's having to send his, his six-year-old daughter to go visit her, and she's coming back with bruises and cuts and stuff, and he's trying to, to get full custody of her and stuff, and it's it's – you know, it's a little disturbing. <laughs> um, and, uh, so definitely, definitely, uh, something personal going on, uh, in his, his writing there. So yeah. Comes right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think that, um, he actually had to go like rescue his daughter from a cult in real life yeah. that his wife was yeah. in or his now ex-wife. Wow. Weird. Yeah. Art imitates life. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, Vin, how about you? Well, like I said, I hadn't I hadn't seen this one before. Um, but like many Cronenberg films, um, you know, uh, I have read about it quite a bit in like academic horror studies texts because he's such a, you know, an intellectual filmmaker. He gives a lot of things uh, for academics and, you know, people who overthink films, uh, things to uh, ponder over. <laughs> Excuse me, and uh, you know this is another one that's kind of like rife with like symbolism, um, and you know again first time watch I definitely enjoyed myself with it. Um, I didn't find it particularly effective in terms of like scares, uh, and you know I kind of I find myself wondering a lot, you know, why those murderous little broodlings were always wearing snowsuits. Um, <laughs> it, it was kind of comical at a certain point when you see them all, um, but uh, it still it has some really great scenes of body horror. And uh, an overall really interesting premise and story. And, of course, you know, with Oliver Reed, who's such kind of a strange screen presence, um, even when he's being nice and charismatic, you kind of get the impression that there's an animal inside ready to attack. Uh, so I just I really enjoyed seeing him in that role. Um, and like you said, I think we are kind of continuing to see Cronenberg's craft evolve 
Um, you know, he's he's continuing to find really interesting actors for his roles. Although there's, you know, <laughs> you kind of still keep on getting the kind of uh, white bread, wet blanket of a lead um, <laughs> in a lot of these, a lot of these films. Uh, but I, I don't think this one is as bad as the next film for that. But uh, overall, you know, I, I really did like this film. Um, I don't know. It, maybe on a rewatch, I'll like it more. Um, I was more impressed with it, but I don't know if it's one that I'm going to keep on returning to, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, how about you, Taminator? Well, I think my, maybe it's my third watch of this. This is not one of my favorites. Like, it, I watched it because I had to, or I probably would not have returned to it. I was going to say a lot of what Vin said. Um, I think the best part of this is doing this as part of the series that we're doing. And actually, literally, like, you can see his craft evolving on the screen. That's the nicest thing I have to say about it. So if I was just watching this as a one-off, I might not, not have even, you know, had that come to my mind. Um, I just found out about the wife and the cult thing right like an hour ago when I was getting my notes together. So that that made me like appreciate it just a little bit more because without that knowledge, I kind of feel like the stories of this kind of feels like a reach a little bit and it's just a little strange and you know like last show I said I didn't care about the science of it and maybe just because I was just so in love with those movies but this one I kind of felt it and is it Oliver Reed you guys is that his name Oliver Reed I do not like that guy I do not I don't know if I just don't know him other than this role but I hate him so much in this role that it's just he just makes me cringe every time I see him so yeah, this is just not one of my favorites. I'm sorry. But I think you mean the su- actor or the character? I'm not sure. I'm but I think he's supposed sure. to make you cringe. He's supposed yeah. to be. Mm-hmm. Then, okay, then he's at the top of his art form. Then. Yeah. yeah. We, I, you've I seen him before. We've done. Um, um, he, he was the guy in the werewolf film, the Hammer well, werewolf film. Uh, of course, that was back in the 60s. So we all loved oh. that. And then um, also he's uh, the lead in Burnt Offerings. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. That movie. You're right. Okay. I don't mind him in that then. Okay. So yeah. it must just be, I hate him in this, I guess. So yeah. Yeah. he's doing a wonderful <laughs> job if I'm supposed to hate him, I guess. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I was going to say a lot of what Ben said. So yeah. I'll yeah, leave it at that. All right. Uh, so my turn. Uh, I had seen this before. Um, it's been years and years, uh, sat down and, and watched this. And actually my wife watched it with me, which she normally doesn't, <laughs> it's not normally her, her thing, but, um, she watched the whole thing and, and she, she kind of enjoyed it. I mean, she had some questions and, um, it, it's sometimes it's, it's good to watch a horror film with a non horror, like, person i don't want to say aficionado because none of us are i guess you would say aficionado but we're so it's we've watched desensitized we've watched so much horror that sometimes mm-hmm. you can't you know all that i know what's coming here and i know what's coming there right and there there were parts that that genuinely like made her tense um and grossed, grossed out <laughs> where, where for me, I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. You know, um, <laughs> I, I think that, 
I'll just reiterate what, what you guys were saying. Uh, Cronenberg's artwork or art uh, form or whatever is is definitely moving up here. And it might have to do with just the fact that he's got more money. Uh, the film looks great. Um, if you, uh, I have this on Blu-ray. If, if you've seen this on Blu-ray, it, it just looks great. It's, it's wonderfully shot. Um, it's edited well. And I know that's not his department, uh, but also I just think like, kind of like the, the, the angles and the shots and, and the way that the, the camera moves and stuff, there's growth there from mm, Shivers oh yeah. and Rabbit. Yeah. Uh, this, mm-hmm. this looks like a big Hollywood movie. Yeah. Um, w- would look like from 1979 and Rabid. And and shivers, even though we liked them, th- those were really kind of indie, uh, grungy looking type of films. And, and this one is like even even to to go as far as like saying like there's there's nods in this thing to Argento. Uh, with with just maybe some of the art the attacks and what about the um uh where they're they're doing the autopsy on the little uh thing that you know that they killed that he killed in the bathroom mm-hmm. I, I mean it's like there's like a purple uh uh-huh. yeah and it was just like man this is definitely like i mean if it was argento it'd be red but uh you know it just seemed like there was just some growth and, and it was just more interesting to look at there were more close-ups um uh yeah so right yeah, I just thought it was really good, and let's let's talk about that music. I mean, it was like a another character. I thought. Yeah. Um, and as soon as this movie started, you knew it was a horror movie. You know, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it was almost like like shades of like Psycho slash Friday the Thirteenth, even though Friday the Thirteenth hadn't come out yet. It a lot of strings and like you know it, it was very like. Um, you know, something to put you on edge. Right. Uh, and, I, and I really thought it was good. Yeah. Uh, I found it really effective because I know a lot of movies, um, maybe rely too heavily on the music, you know, to make it feel scary and tense, but I did really feel tense because of the music, but, um, I don't know. I just felt like it really loaned itself to the movie and like heightened it. I didn't feel like it was taking over the project, you know, or like it was only good on its own and the movie wasn't good. It's just, they complemented each other really well, in my opinion. Yep. Yep. Anybody else with any thoughts on the music? No, I agree. Uh, yeah, it's, we're seeing everything. I think, you know, the game is being upped, um, with this entire thing is not, not only do you go from that music, but I think the very opening shot, isn't it? Um, Oliver Reed, talking to that what we find out as a patient mm. it's kind of like a demonstration yeah of, but we don't know what it is at first yeah right right it's like, yeah it's like first you don't know if it's a conversation then like they're talking like father and son and i'm looking at them i'm like there's no way he's old enough to be the father i'm like you know and then you're like <laughs> yeah. is this a play like what is going on mm-hmm. um but if, if i remember the the camera's kind of rotating around them mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, we're already like between the music and then going from that to this scene, you were just in a completely different world with Cronenberg now. Yeah. Um, you know, he has just such a, a a much more confident command of cinema 
at this point. Um, I was immediately drawn into the beginning. Yeah. And I like, yeah, I like how you start to see he, he's doing the same thing as uh, John Carpenter did. It, you know, it's, it's David Cronenberg's the brood. Mm, yeah, he's you know, it's just not yeah. the brood. It's David Cronenberg's the brood. And we see the same thing with, with scanners. Um, yeah. So he's getting a, like a reputation and a, uh, like a brand, so yeah, to speak. He's got a recognizable name now. Yeah. So, um, other than that, let's, let's, let's talk about, uh, uh, some of our likes and dislikes and, and I'll, I'll kick it off. Uh, it, it didn't seem like you liked the lead actor very much. Vin. Uh, I think he's not bad. What's his but name? Art, Art I think that, Inkle? I do think we see boring male leads in a lot of Cronenberg films, you know, up, yeah. up until we get to, you know, somebody like Christopher Walken and then Jeff Goldblum, you know, yeah. <laughs> but we've kind of got like, you know, boring white guy itis sort of uh, in a lot of these ones. I think especially I think Scanners is uh, a little bit of a worst case um, mm-hmm. with our yeah. hero in that um, this one wasn't nearly as bad, but it's still like. You know, we, it's it's a lot of these guys that we're following along that just like lack almost any on-screen charisma most of the time. Um, it's it's the uh, the secondary players that are just constantly steal the show. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you've got Oliver Reed, of course, Samantha Egger. Uh, there were some others that you know, whenever whenever that actor is in the same room with them, you're not paying attention to him. Um, there mm-hmm. was I wrote down some names like Robert Silverman. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the one that had that tumor yeah. underneath his chin. <laughs> yeah, like that was. I gotta say, it takes a lot to make me cringe. That that made me cringe. That that chin growth. Uh, and then you had uh, Gary. All of them that we watched so far, what? that guy. <laughs> yeah, Mr. that one. Cole. That one's bothered me the most. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Gary McKeon, uh as Mike Trellant, Trellin, I guess. Uh, he's the one that had those daddy issues uh, at the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie. Um, he certainly did. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Turned into my dad, um, but he was a really good actor. You know, uh, yeah. so every time we have our lead sharing a screen with somebody else, he's completely overshadowed. <laughs> um, I, agree. I just think that and the I, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think maybe that part of it is to kind of contrast between like normal people and these people that are going through this weird therapy. Yeah, I guess uh, maybe like every man but... avatar for us, but. But you he know. is kind of boring. It's like the only thing that gives him any depth is like his, you know, want to be a good father to his daughter and to save her. That's like the yeah. only saving grace. I'm, I'm rooting for him for his daughter's sake. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't really feel anything for him. Yeah. You know, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Not, not necessarily a bad actor. Just yeah. not like there's not a whole lot of charisma. No, there's not a whole lot for him to do on the screen sometimes, yeah, too. Um, yeah. And and I'm sorry, but if my daughter what was coming back with like bruises and cuts on her, somebody's getting their behinds kicked. You know, <laughs> I, I think you I think there should have yeah, been more more anger. Anger or, or something, you know. He was he was too much of like a milk toast or yep. whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean um i'm looking you know he was uh he was in black christmas he oh yeah chris chris hayden was that the is that her boyfriend that wanted her to no, get the abortion no 
Um, uh, and now that you say it, though, I'm picturing him in in the movie. Yeah, Chris he wasn't Hayden. the boyfriend. Is he the um, hockey player? Is he the hockey player? He might. I feel like he's. Didn't he also go to the police station with them and stuff like that? He's looking for his girlfriend. Yeah, he might have. I don't remember. I, th- I think. I think his girlfriend That's was like. Oh, no, I think you're he right. Was. Yeah, and then he was also in Invasion of the Body Snatchers from '78. But he's in. He's in a few classics here. <laughs> yeah. No, I honestly, I don't think that he's a bad actor. I just think yeah. that it's. This is kind of he's a boring role. A, um, he's just a vehicle yeah. for that yeah. role. Yeah. Yeah. And he was also in the uh, fantastic film uh, Porky's. <laughs> no, just kidding. He was in it, but I'm I'm kidding that it's fantastic. Um, yeah. And here here's something that might be a little controversial or whatever. Like, I'm not a big fan of uh, the little girl who played Candace. Candy, uh, Cindy Hines. She, um, she looks like Heather Rourke, doesn't yeah, she? Definitely, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely was uh, like, and that's not what they were going for because that hadn't but happened. Do you think you just? Do you think it's the same thing as me with Oliver Reed? You just don't like because she was pretty irritating. I mean, I know she's only six or whatever, but I don't know if she was just overacting or what. But maybe I just didn't like the role she was playing in here because I agree with you. I don't um, think. But, I don't think it was that. I just don't think she was very good uh, in her role. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Um, she got upstaged by the Munchkins. That's fine. <laughs> you know, I, maybe that's just me. It, I can't. It doesn't say how old she actually was. There's no way she was six. She was probably yeah, it, more like nine. I, I think oh, sometimes mm-hmm. you get the feeling that a director is telling a kid to act like a kid. Mm-hmm. And it comes off yeah. as like almost unnatural way they're acting, yeah. um, rather than just have the kid just kind of be themselves in in mm-hmm. the role. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I could be I could be wrong on that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we, I, mean I wasn't. You know, I, I felt. I think I felt a little bit of what you're feeling with this. Like, like I feel like if you if you think to the um, you just said Heather O'Rourke. I mean, you watch that and you're like, that girl's awesome. That whole family yeah. feels real. Yeah. yeah. And this, yeah. this, like, I felt like she was just not believable. You know, that's yeah. just, I don't know. She, um, she was playing overly helpless, I think. Yeah. I mean, it kind of seemed like it. Uh, she's in a couple other TV sh- movies and shows, and then she'll uh, uh, show up again in the dead zone uh, as Natalie. And then she's not heard from ever again <laughs> like as far as being an actress so uh I, I can't even imdb has nothing like birth date nothing whether she's still alive none of that so uh i don't mean to be mean uh to cindy hines i just i don't know um i just didn't didn't really believe it so and admittedly it can be very difficult to get a child actor right oh yeah you know it's yep Especially if like she's not really the one her. that sometimes kids will be good playing like evil or creepy because they get to play, you know, mm-hmm. something like she's, she's the one being terrorized. One of the ones being terrorized and right. she just didn't seem to be real. You know, I think towards the end though, when like they're breaking through the door, she was doing yeah, pretty well there. I think as, as the movie went on, I liked her more, but yeah, in the beginning it's kind of like, you know, I don't know. You know, you, you struggle a little bit to to be yeah. convinced in certain things, but yeah. 
Yeah. Um, okay, as as we're going through the the cast or whatever, uh, Samantha Eager, Egger, she was great. Yeah, she's very good. Phenomenal. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I think uh, just the way she looked, she looked crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she uh, the eyes. Yeah. Just the eyes, and maybe the way they did her hair, uh, or whatever. Um, just really. Uh, was good and 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 just the whole like the therapy sessions and things that she's saying just real creepy. Yeah. Uh, and of course, my wife's jaw dropped uh, on the, the last part where she <laughs> o- opens the robe. Yeah. She's like, so <laughs> that's definitely uh, my favorite scene. That's an awesome yeah. reveal. Well, yeah. I think that that's this film that that scene right there. That's the. Oh, I didn't want to say yeah. titular, yeah. <laughs> the money but uh, but that that's the scene that like people yeah people yeah. will return to uh, for this movie. But definitely definitely good. But she did a great because job. It's, the entire. it's a fairly tame movie. Yeah, up until that reveal, then it's just like that bonkers <laughs> reveal where you're like, "What the hell am I looking at?" I kind of wish there was a little bit more of that kind of thing throughout the movie, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But otherwise, it's it's kind of yeah. like I said, it, it's it's tame. It's you know, well, we got a little bit of a murder mystery going on. Uh, yeah, and yeah. weird like little people in snowsuits, and I'm like, okay, um, yeah, you know. It, but well, once the once it starts hitting the fan, you're. I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to say that like it. There were. Was there three murders or four? I think three. three. I think, I think yeah, three. three. Yeah. Okay. There could have been like some more gruesomeness yeah. in those murders, you know, um, mm-hmm. especially with those snow globes or whatever those things were. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like, I, I would say this, like it wasn't believable that these kids or munchkins or whatever the heck they were, were, capable of inflicting that much damage. Um, and like when they're hitting, it looks like they're hitting a pillow. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it it just seemed like, kills, I was like, are I they was doing tickle with? fight? Yeah. The are first they doing tickle fight with. or something? Cause they're not, yeah. Uh, but that so that wasn't one, real believable. Yeah. The, the kindergarten teacher one is the one that I started kind of losing a little bit. I thought it was, yeah. I think it's a bold move to kill a teacher in front of her kids yeah. uh, mm-hmm. for a movie. I thought that was pretty, I'm like, Oh, yeah. cool. But that was the point where I kind of wish there was a little more variation. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they would like to bludgeon people to death for some reason, but yeah. for her, like they're hitting her with those little play hammers. Um, <laughs> you know, there's like anybody who grew up with those, like knew that they don't really weigh much at all. Yeah. Um, right. You know, it's like seeing somebody being beaten death with like a wiffle ball bat, you know, it's, yeah. you're not, you know, it, you're not feeling Ow, it. Really. Stop it. Ow, <laughs> yeah. ow. I did. They, they should have grabbed pencils and scissors and started stabbing her to death. Or oh, something. yeah. That would have been yeah. crazy. Those those tiny little toy hammers were, it yeah. was kind of comical seeing her get bludgeoned to death somehow what, with those. Sure. But I will say I this. Wa- go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, I wondered if because they're kind of like fueled by um, Nola's rage, right? That's like kind yeah, of like what fuels yeah. them. And that's when their batteries run out. It's like they've run their course of however much rage she had birthed into them. So I wondered if that maybe we're supposed to kind of think that that's like what's giving them strength because that was an issue that I initially had on my first watch was how am I supposed to be scared by these little guys, you know, killing. I don't even, I don't even care that they're small or whatever because there's, 
you can suspend your disbelief for that. It was the actual showing of yeah. the hitting. Yeah. It was like, it was like, mm. Right. Mm. And it seems like in a lot of other scenes, they're really thoughtful and smart about how they shot it. You know, like I didn't even notice, but for Nola's character, they had only been shooting, you know, this part um, top of her torso throughout the movie, I guess, because mm. of the gri- big reveal at the end. Yeah. I, I didn't even think about that until I heard um, Samantha Egger talking about it um, on that YouTube video that Tammy sent us the link for the behind the scenes kind of thing. But, um, but it seems like they were really smart about how they shot some things, but then when it came to the brood itself, the, yeah, seeing them actually hit something and how physicality wise, it doesn't look like they could actually inflict damage was probably a bad decision. then, Then they throw that phantasm ball that goes right through the wall. So it's like, I want more of that. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I want them to be murderous yeah. and have like believe yeah. I guess we're supposed to believe they have that kind of power, you know. Yeah. Right. I would say that one, the grandpa one, that's the weakest. Uh and then the actual whole scene there with the kitchen and the grandmother. Yeah, that one worked. That was actually pretty suspenseful because mm-hmm. this is the first time it shows up and and he doesn't he doesn't uh Cronenberg uses that whole okay we're not going to show it we're mm-hmm. we're going to we're going to see mm-hmm. it, things flying off and my wife was like what's causing that what is happening um, right and and finally whatever um and then the the cool the cool shot of of the thing with on the the stairs with the uh bloody handprints whatever yeah. that was that was all mm-hmm. cool the cereal you know spilling out and all that right and then but when you look at the aftermath of those two kills, like especially Grandpa, he's just sitting there and he's got a little bit of smear of blood on him. Yeah. And he's supposed to have been bludgeoned with these these two like heavy glass. I don't even know what they are, just decorations or whatever. But those things, I, I've seen those, those things are kind of heavy, you mm-hmm. know, so there'd be more damage. Um, yeah. I will say this the teacher. There was some serious damage, like the aftermath, the big pool of blood. Yeah, the he, aftermath he, yeah. looks great. It's the process yeah. of getting yeah, he there. Picks her head up. Yeah. yeah, he picks her head up. She's dead, you know, and it just looks like she's just been bludgeoned. But that was not the case for the first two. So that there was a little uneven there um, in, in the the way they, they shot that and the way they uh, did the aftermath. So I don't know yeah. if they... It could be like maybe they shot that other one first and they were running out of money. I don't know. And they're like, well, we don't have time to really just throw some throw some ketchup on him. <laughs> well, I noticed he did film this pretty quick because yeah. it was like one of the last tax shelter films or something like that with the uh, mm-hmm. yeah the Canadian tax shelter. Uh, uh-huh. So yeah. they, they had to get their get stuff in by a certain date. Um, but I think this is like is that this one or Scanners was the last one. We, we, one of these, I think, was the last one. Was Scanners the last one? Is that what it was? Yeah, because they were, um, not to jump ahead, but he was, like, actually writing the script as he went oh, along. That's right, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, that's um, right. Yeah. Yep. But, yeah, I think the I think all these movies he's making, it's very hurried, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say this. I I actually found the plot of this film to be pretty interesting. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cool concept. Yeah, the concept was cool, and, and okay, it wasn't it wasn't like carried out to absolute perfection. Uh, there were parts that you know could use more explaining and and fleshed out more, but like I was interested in in the whole thing. Like, what is this therapy? Like, what is it that it's controversial? And like, what what is he doing? And what? And then the fact it's that psychoplasmic, it's psychoplasmic, don't you? Yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, duh. <laughs> but I just think I think it's just an interesting thing, and like the anger being birthed you know, into these, uh, rage children or whatever you would call it sleeping in this barn or whatever. Uh, yeah. that was, that was pretty interesting. Um, I've Especially heard for fact, many a year that there's going to be a, a remake of this film. I can see that. And I have not uh, heard anything about it for a while, but, um, I could see that, that working, but you guys, wouldn't it be cool if David Cronenberg, since he's still making movies, if he went and remade some of these now? You know. Yeah, I don't know if he'd want to. You know, I, I think that he would. He's the kind of guy that would be like, "Yep, yeah, been there, done that." Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna move yeah. on. Especially with something like this, which was so personal and kind of traumatic. I don't know if he'd yeah, want to revisit. That's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, but he would definitely. I mean, he would probably definitely make a better movie. Yeah. At, at this point, but you know, these I'm movies you, are kind of like time capsules, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's you can true. really just see a director's, a director and a writer's growth through the years, uh, which is kind of neat as we're going through chronologically, so you can see that that growth, or whatever. But and I feel yeah. like he's one of the few people of the '70s that was making consistently, at least, like science run amok movies. You know, this yeah. is like so many movies at this point where Satanism and the devil and, you know, uh, yep. we're just starting to get into slashers. Um, yep. It hasn't really taken off quite yet. Yep. Uh, but this is his you know, thing. He's, yeah, it's 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 a little bit refreshing, especially for this era. Yep, it's more well, thematically. That, it feels more like the 1950s, but updated for a new generation. Yeah, I mean, you had a thing that I sent you guys. He, they say that's because that like. Him and John Carpenter and um, I forget who else they said, but they grew up on those 50s movies and that then carried that over into their own movies. Yep. Yeah, we start yeah. seeing them. Those other directors do science more in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so far we've had like a contagion or like a pandemic type of thing, right? With with yeah. uh, shivers. And then you've had the uh, little bit of a, surgery experimentation going wrong causing vampirism and then you've got this thing with the therapy and then you've got telekinesis and all that going wrong in the next couple and then you've got uh experimentations with you know with the fly and all that i mean it he just keeps going with it and then of course video drone which we won't be doing because we've done it before in the past, but that's another way. I and mean, all his movies have got something to do with science. You know, he puts the science in science fiction. He does. <laughs> yeah. I love okay. sci-fi. I think, um, something that's successful with this one in particular, as far as sci-fi goes, is that in a lot of, them, you kind of expect like a better explanation, you know, of something that's like 
actually proven things that we know but you know what I mean you could be like wait a minute that doesn't make sense but with something like this where it's very psychological I think it gives it more room to be believable if that makes sense I'm I'm able to believe this one more than the last film Mm -hmm. where I didn't understand how like plastic surgery created like an armpit exactly as uh, much as we love that movie but yeah yeah. (laughs) armpit phallus Tammy what were you gonna say I was going to ask you guys, do you think was this, um, they, they called it parthenogenetically birthing these things? Is Was that unique to her or was that, because ha- the, the guy, the daddy issues guy had the little bread bumps too. Was, was this happening to other people? Were all those kids in that barn from all the people that were at the place? No, I think they were just her. I think they were all manifesting differently, but they were... Yeah manifesting physically but i think she was the only one that was like birthing and that's why he kicked all the rest of them out yeah oh. she was the only one it, it had worked yeah. for or whatever maybe she oh was so surprised. like that was his end game like that was what he was striving for i think he was surprised by what she produced but well, i think i don't think he could keep the secret anymore so he was moving all the rest of the patients out of there because that daddy issues guy he was like kind of jealous Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. If I remember yeah. correctly, right? That of her being like attention. teacher's pet. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Daddy issues guy. <laughs> I don't remember his name. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing I think that's interesting about her about Nola's story is that, and I don't know how long this has been known or theorized or whatever, but you know, now they say that trauma really can be passed down through generations. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like they're kind of exploring that because of her trauma as a child being abused by her parents. Um, Or at least that's what she says. I kind of wish that we got a little bit more of that because I feel like if her character had more motivation for her rage, that we could kind of be on her side a little more. And I think it would have made the movie even more interesting, but I'm sure that David Cronenberg didn't want to make her character the one that you feel for because, you know, he's the dad in this scenario and he's trying to work through his own trauma and pain from the experience. But, but supposedly you're supposed to be able to pass down trauma through generations. And so I think that that part of the story is so fascinating, especially in the final scene with the daughter And we see that, you know, her trauma is now going to manifest physically in some way. Yeah, you're you're I have another question for you guys. Oh, Oh, sorry, Ben. Go ahead. I was just going to say. um... (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. Go ahead, Tammy. (laughs) It it, it leads off of what she says. I'll be quick. Um, So, like, the fact that the daughter, Candy, was covered in bruises. Now, I assume that that's because. You know, she she gets mad, and then those things do her bidding. Were they? Was she having anger towards Candy because of the like because she was with her dad, or were those things attacking Candy because they were jealous because she was the real daughter, or were they not? Or where were her bruises coming from? Yeah, I feel like they never really said mm-hmm. where they were coming from, but I would yeah. suspect I don't think she would. You know, like I don't think she had rage towards. Like, you know, I I didn't feel like she had rage towards Candy that would have, like, motivated those things to go after her. But yet she was returning with bruises, and I never quite understood where they were coming from. Mm-hmm. And she, she does make that. The mom does make that, um, that statement towards the end where she said that she'd rather Candy die than, I don't know, not be with her or something like that. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I think that in my head, without really thinking about it too much, I was just assuming that the brood was jealous of Candy for for being the actual daughter. That's what I kind of thought, too. But then, like, when they had opportunities to hurt her, they didn't. Like, at, at the grandma, they just went for the grandma and left. They took her and took her back to the barn. I don't know why, but, you know, they walked her, it seemed like, miles all the way back. Like, they had plenty of opportunities to hurt her, and we never yeah. really see them hurt her. I don't think that the mother was targeting her with her anger until the end of the film. Like, I think that she wanted her back, basically. So they were retrieving her as like one of them oh, yeah. you know okay um mm-hmm. but i think that she kind of goes off the deep end towards the end and she's just like nobody can have family you know that sort of thing um that's that's kind of what i got and i think her bruises came from the mother not from the brood mm-hmm. oh. oh yeah because she was talking about how she was um abused when she was a kid and she was just doing the same thing to her daughter Right. Yeah. When you see her in the bathtub, she she looked pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. Now. What the heck? And I just shout out to Mr. Bubble. Yeah. Mr. Bubble. (laughs) (laughs) Jessica's like, what is going on? The pink. I remember that little purple bottle. Yeah. Yeah. It's an '80s thing. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, like everyone is it like scrubbing bubbles? Is that what it's from? It's bubble bath. That's for your toilet. Yeah, it's bubble bath. Is it? Okay. You put a cap full under the the running water and it creates this huge bubble bath. I do I do remember this from my early childhood. Shout out to Mr. <laughs> my Bubba. grandparents had it. Yeah. Um yeah, and I, I'm assuming the grandmother and the grandfather who died, were those her? Yeah. Those, those were the were ones that parents, were, were, were abusive to her, right? Right. Yeah, At least the mother was. I don't know if the father was. Well, the too. father, the the father allowed it to happen, and because he mm-hmm. was drunk yeah, all the okay. time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I, I I don't know. I was just like, all right. So your mother abused you all the time, and your father is a drunk. So you're just gonna let your kid stay with him? That's the day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, she beat me all my life. Uh, take my six-year-old for the weekend Uh, well yeah that's i kind of wish that there was either confirmation that she was actually beaten by that woman or right you know we we saw a little bit more about that character before she died like you know did Mm -hmm. she apologize or is she claiming that no this didn't happen or um i don't know because i think that's one of the things that that scholars talk about this a lot uh, they there's a lot of disagreement over this film. Like a lot of them see this as an example of what they call like the monstrous feminine. Um, basically, the mother is a generator of horror. The fact that her like reproductive womb is on the outside it shows like the biology of motherhood is monstrous. You know, um, and a lot of them have kind of criticized Cronenberg uh, for that. But then you have others that talk about Nola as no, she's not the monster; she's the victim. Um, you know, she's being experimented on by an irresponsible scientist. She was a victim of abuse um, that she should be seen as sympathetic. Uh, so I think that we're we're also right now struggling with how we're supposed to see Nola mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> right here. And it's the same kind of thing that they talk a lot about in, in horror scholarship, um, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. So, you know, I, she seems like a victim, but we're there's so many gaps, 
I think, right. and what we see that I can't quite tell. Uh, well, I mean, how much is in her head and how much is genuine, you know? Right. Because Frank kind of makes her sound like she's exaggerating, you know, her abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that's why I was kind of saying earlier is like, I want to be on the side of seeing her as a victim and having like more remorse for her. But I feel like David Cronenberg probably intentionally didn't shed that light on her because of, you know, she's playing the part of his ex-wife kind of from real life. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't I mean, think he wanted us to really have sympathy for her. My view on that is this. Look, uh, you can be sympathetic for somebody who's been a victim um but victimhood doesn't give you free reign to, to victimize others to victimize yeah. other people or yeah. or to put trauma on other people it it, it gives you you know it, it gives you like people can look at that and say i can see how that happened but right. it doesn't like say oh well she's innocent because she you know because we all have something you know what i'm saying yeah, everybody's got something that that happened to them that wasn't pleasant or whatever, and and so that's just. I think that's uh, why this is such an interesting idea. If that trauma would manifest itself, yeah, you mm-hmm. know, and become its own sentient being, uh, you know, it could act of its own will, or it could, you could command it to go somewhere and, <laughs> and do harm. You know, uh, it is such an interesting idea. I do feel like there's there's a certain incompleteness about this idea uh mm-hmm. in the brood that i love the concept and i like where it's it's heading but it's yeah it's not well, all there you know yeah um, well again it's probably something he's just kind of coming up with yeah in in the moment you know he, he he actually called this movie his kramer versus kramer yeah uh, the yeah, that, aspect, that was the right? really really popular film i think it won oscars and stuff um yeah. great movie about divorce and the and the kid caught in the middle. Um, that's what Dustin Hoffman and and um, come on Meryl yeah, Streep and Cronenberg uh, hates that movie. <laughs> he hates that movie, <laughs> so he kind of made this as almost like this is my version of of Kramer versus Kramer. But anyway, um, I, I think I'm seeing her completely differently than you guys are. I don't, you know, I've been pretty open with what's happened to me in my life I would think I would like feel something for her but I felt like she was the most self-absorbed vapid Mm -hmm. person I and I mean maybe that's what he was going for because he was kind of playing out something that really happened to him in real life and that's if anybody's ever been through a contentious divorce you really you really kind of come to hate that other person but Mm. um I just felt like she was You know, just the fact that she was, I felt like she was enjoying the attention she was getting there. It didn't seem like she was too concerned about ever getting, quote unquote, better or whatever. She was Uh, indulging in her own trauma. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, It was a means to her end almost. It just, I don't know. She just, I didn't find her genuine at all. And I I can see that uh, feeling for her. I felt like it was all about her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Before we close this one out, I wanted to uh, shout out one of the actors that might not get a lot of uh, attention in this film, and that's Felix Silla. You guys know anything about him? Um, he was one of the the actual 
what are they what are they known as mongoloid kids i don't know what what the technical I term i was calling them broodlings i'm not sure what <laughs> i like broodling he's credited as creature in this yeah well felix Silla uh was a little person was born in 1937 in italy uh just passed away in 2021 at the age of 84 mm-hmm. and, and i wanted to just go through this guy's credits mm-hmm. i mean I looked you talk about this awesome. guy he should have written a book. I'm going to look and see if he uh, wrote a book. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to give you some of his acting credits and then some of his stunt credits. Um, he Number one, he in the 60s, he was Cousin It in the Adams Family. <laughs> okay. Uh, then he went, uh, he was on the Monkees as Willie the Midget. Uh, the Girl from Uncle is a circus performer. He was on Star Trek um, as a Talosian. I don't know what that is. Uh, he was on Planet of the Apes in 1968 as a child gorilla. H and R Puffin stuff. What? He was on Bewitched, uh, Night Gallery. He was a creature oh on the, on the famed uh, TV movie Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Remember those? Mm-hmm. Uh, those little creatures. Um, he was the baby in Demon Seed. Um. <laughs> He was the uh, a creature in the Manitou, which is a hilarious uh, thing. Uh, of course, creature in in the Brood. He was in Buck Rogers. He was in Mork and Mindy. He was an Ewok in Star Wars. What a uh, life this guy has had! I'm oh telling you, God. I'm not even done yet. I'm not even done. <laughs> he, was, he was one of the little critters in the movie House in 1985. He was Dink in Spaceballs. Um, he was the emperor penguin in Batman returns. And then, uh, if you go with this, just his stunt work and not like he wasn't like necessarily, uh, doing any acting. He was in poltergeist, uh, ET. He was one of the dudes in the suit, uh, Indiana Jones in the temple of doom. He did short rounds stunts. Are are you ready for this? He was the stunt duck in Howard the Duck. <laughs> he did stunts for the Monster Squad. Uh, stunts in Phantasm 2 because there were little th- little people in that, right? And then again, in Batman Returns, he was a stunt penguin. <laughs> I'm just telling you, man, this guy, he he yeah. did it all, didn't he? That's incredible. To, yeah, his little... and, I, and I left a lot of stuff out. His little <laughs> mini bio on IMDb is really awesome too. Yeah. I mean, he was like a circus performer and toured with the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey and yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to look into it and see if, artist. see if he ever uh, wrote like a memoir or anything. I was just going to say, he, he, I hope he wrote a book. Oh, uh, but and I can, I can look at him and be like, yep, I, I know this guy. Uh, when you look at a picture of him, you're like, yeah, I know this guy. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to mention that. Like I was looking at that and I was like, man, that is so, so cool. So yeah, I Felix agree. Sella shout out. So anything else that we wanted to uh, say about uh, the brood before we rate it and move on to scanners. 
I did just want to talk about the scene with the big reveal for Nola where she has all her yep. reproductive parts going on and mm-hmm. she, you know, rips her baby out of her outside stomach and starts licking it. Yeah. That licking was apparently, it clean. that was the um, actress's idea to do that. And I think that that's like the best part of that scene, you know, without yeah, that. Animalistic. It cool. Exactly. And, uh, apparently I guess... for American censors, they cut out the part of her licking. So <laughs> audience just thought she was eating the baby because they saw blood all over her mouth. <laughs> oh my god, that's so, so funny. They, they made it worse when they cut out the scene of the licking. But that's hilarious. Yeah, I think she said she grew up on a farm, and so that was yeah, something yeah. that naturally, um, yep. an idea that popped up, to, and she went with it. And I think it was very successful. And she only filmed for like four days for this yep. movie, and she's like. What? So awesome. I wonder what it, it was that she was licking. Was that ketchup? Was it? He said it know, was corn syrup. Corn syrup. Yeah. yeah. Corn syrup and red dye. Delicious. But yeah, I just love yeah. that scene and how crazy she is. And it looks so cool. And it's just like condoms yeah. filled with yeah. stuff, like glued which, to her. Which, which scene is more iconic? That one or the one we're going to talk about in Scanners? Mm. <laughs> Which scanners. one? You think so? Yeah. I think scanners yeah. is more iconic. Yeah. 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 So, but very good. Very good scene. Very, that's, I mean, body horror at, at its grossest. That was pretty, it, it, that's hard to top. Birthing on the outside, licking the baby clean. Ugh. Blech. So good. Head in the other direction, but the reason she could only film for four days is because she became Mrs. Rourke on Fantasy Island. She became Mrs. Rourke? Yeah, I didn't realize that he got married. I thought I knew all about that show, but I yeah. had no idea. Whatever Con? Whatever season they got married. Con, yes, Con. Con got a got a Rick, Ricardo yeah. Montalban. <laughs> I'd marry Con in a minute. <laughs> you would probably uh marry tattoo in just a minute, you know? <laughs> So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and rate this thing, um, Jessica. Since uh, they're your picks, why don't you go ahead and go first? Yeah. Um, so I'm actually rating this an eight and a half out of ten. I really came out of the second watch liking it so much more than my initial watch of it, and I think it's because I really just love the concept and love the idea of birthing your rage into something physical. It just feels really unique. And I don't feel like I've ever seen anything quite like it before. Um, And the special effects of the faces of the broodlings, um, as Vin is calling them, and I like. (laughs) It's not like, it doesn't look that great, but it didn't bother me nearly as much as it did on my first watch. Um, A little bit demented Oompa Loompas. Right. I think like the ideas and the concept behind the story is just so much more interesting than worrying about if the creatures were, you know, scary enough. Like the ideas are scary enough for me. Um, so eight and a half out of ten. All right, Taminator. Hmm. Hmm. I think I'm gonna go with like. <laughs> I mean, it, it it has some stuff that's really good, but I'd say like a third of it. So I guess I'll go with like a a six. Because I just, it has more bad than good. I'm sorry. All right. No need to apologize. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, Revenant Vin. Um, I think I can largely echo what Jessica was saying. Uh, it's a really cool concept. Um, I think that, that that reveal at the end is awesome. It is iconic. Uh, I will say I don't know how eager I will be to go back to the film. You know, like I'll certainly watch that scene again of the birth. You know, <laughs> uh, that's great. But I don't know if I need to watch the hour or so that led up to it again because it's kind of just a, a tame murder mystery sort of thing going on. Um, but uh, I liked it overall. So I'm going to say 7.5. Um, you know, I'll probably rewatch it at some point in the near future, but just not anytime fast. But still, absolutely worth checking out. And you know, it's it's famous for a reason, for a good reason. Yep, uh, I'm right with you. Seven and a half out of ten on that. And uh, I think with just a a few little tweaks, it probably could have been closer to a eight and a half, even nine, because I like the concept that much. Um, but hey. It's still still iconic film, still worth seeing. Uh, if you have not yet um, seen this film, get right on it. Um, I believe it's on HBO Max if you have that. Otherwise, you'll probably have to rent it off of Amazon for like three ninety nine or something. It's worth it. It's yeah, worth, it's worth that. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our uh, little review of the brood we're going to take a quick break when we get back we're going to get into 1981's scanners hey love horror movies yeah so do handpicked by experts psychos demons ghosts the occult zombies killer kids black magic vampires Shutter kills Netflix on selection. Screams on demand. Shutter.com. All right, we are back, and it is time for us to explore Scanners 1981, rated R, uh, one hour and 43 minutes. Um, Scanners, uh, again, more of a, a sci fi kind of thriller. Maybe. thriller more so than a straight horror. Uh, there's some iconic stuff in here uh, as far as like um, makeup work and all of that. So that is uh, why it usually gets kind of lumped into to the horror section first. Um, it's got a 6.7 out of 10 average rating on IMDb, 58,000 reviews. Uh, critics on the tomato meter, an average of 70%, and the audience score with over 25,000 uh, ratings on tomato, uh, Rotten Tomatoes is 64%. So, uh, well liked and well, uh, this is much more well seen and well known than The Brood. Um, and you could see that just by the number of uh, reviews on there um let's see course written and directed by david cronenberg um i want to get into the cast here uh jennifer o'neill is almost get gets top billing but and i don't think that she was really the the main yeah, player really in the first half yeah. Of the almost, yeah um kim oberst is who she plays uh stephen lack that is 
um, the the main guy here, Cameron Vale. That is the guy that Vin said is very uh, wet blanket. Wet blanket, not wet not bread. too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Patrick uh, Maguhan as Doctor Ruth. Sorry, not not that Doctor Ruth. <laughs> Doctor Paul Ruth. I was laughing at the entire time. <laughs> Doctor Ruth. Um, Lawrence Dane as uh, Mr. Keller. Uh, Michael Ironside. Young Woo! Michael Ironside as yeah. Daryl Revick. And he is, uh, he's probably the best part about the movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, very charismatic on the screen. And, and I'll just tell you this before. I forget, just reminded me so much of like a young Jack Nicholson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, like if you were to, if you were to uh, order Jack Nicholson from Wish. You're getting Michael <laughs> Ironside. That's what you're getting. I think he's better than that. I no, he is. Yeah, better than better than he is definitely definitely better than that. Uh, Robert A. Silverman as uh, Benjamin Pierce. Uh, Lee Brooker as Security One. Uh, I don't know if we need anything else. You know, Scanner in Attic, Killer in Barn. Uh, Victor Knight as Dr. Frayne. Um, yoga Technician. No, we don't need that. <laughs> so those are the main players in this film. Uh, as far as the synopsis goes, a scientist trains a man with an advanced telepathic ability called scanning to stop a dangerous scanner with extraordinary psychic powers from waging war against non-scanners. I think that's a pretty good, pretty concise, uh, synopsis there so let's go ahead and uh roll this trailer when we get back uh, we'll get into our first impressions i would like to scan all of you in this room one at a time I must remind you that the uh, scanning experience is usually a painful one, sometimes resulting in nosebleeds, earaches, stomach cramps, nausea, sometimes other symptoms of a similar nature. At this point, I'd like to call for volunteers. Fine. Just uh, sit right here, please. I'd, I'd like you to think of something specific. Do I have to close my eyes? It doesn't matter. All right, yes, I have something.
the mind force. Scanners, their thoughts can kill. We're back, and uh, again, Jessica, your movie. So let's uh, let's hear your first impressions. Yes. So I saw this when I was a kid, but I didn't totally retain it. So I revisited it like ten years ago when I first watched The Brood. I was, you know, doing a little bit of Cronenberg watching, um, and on that watch, you know, as an adult for the first time watching it, I really enjoyed it. Um, and obviously, the special effects in this are awesome. Um, and so this is something that I actually revisit uh, semi-frequently. I think I've probably seen it about five times. And it's kind of one that I'll just put on, you know, in the background while I'm doing stuff because the special effects and the music are so good. And like Vin said, the main character is pretty boring. So I don't necessarily watch it for him or for the story. And some of the science, you know, doesn't quite make sense in this either. Um, but Michael Ironside is awesome. Um, there's, you know, the infamous head explosion, of course. So yeah, those are my first impressions. I've seen, I've seen this one probably more than any of the other Cronenberg movies. All right. Um, Vin, first impressions. Like I said, it's been, it was over 20 years ago that I saw this. Um, and when I saw it, I knew going in about the infamous head explosion. Um, but I really kind of knew little else about it. Uh, I think I was at the time I was expecting more of a horror film and not so much a sci-fi thriller. And I remember thinking it was it was okay, but overall I was somewhat underwhelmed. Uh, so this time I was better prepared, and I certainly had more appreciation for what Cronenberg was going for. And it really does have some terrific scenes, although I, it's I can't say it's the most engaging film for me. You know, I think that. Uh, kind of what Jessica said, it's something you can kind of put on in the background is maybe, <laughs> you know, uh, something, you know, uh, that might work for me as well, is what I'm saying, uh, until I get to those really choice scenes. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the underdeveloped and kind of woodenly acted main character. Um, and I find myself not really caring much about the fate of the protagonists, <laughs> um, but still a fun film. And I'm glad I revisited it, uh, especially with the better preparation this time uh, going in. But, uh, yeah, definitely one that I'm glad that I saw again. All right. How about you, uh, Taminator Tammy Turner? Well, this is a first time watch for me, but I have a story why. Wow. So let's hear it. <laughs> I know. So this is where my age is going to show. Back when I was a youngin, that's when the, you could go to a movie for like a kid's movie and you'd get like a rated R trailer. This trailer came on with the exploding head when I was a kid and it just, that was, uh, no, I was done. <laughs> like, I don't know. It just really affected me. And <laughs> I remember we were getting the, the list together and we said we were going to do this. And I'm like, oh my God, you guys, this movie stresses me out. Like, I just, I, I don't like shots to the head. I don't like exploding heads. I love the podcast. But I just don't like exploding heads. <laughs> um, and so I was like, oh, God, I got to watch this. Okay. And, but I, I, I liked it. I, I dislike all the things. I swear to God, Ben reads my notes before we start these shows. But <laughs> I, I agree with all of his dislikes, but I can like cherry pick things out of this that I like so much, which we can talk about that I kind of elevates it for me. And I really liked the twist at the end. 
it got me. I didn't see it coming. So I, I, I liked it. And I, I mean, I, another one, I can watch Michael Ironside, you know, act his way out of a paper bag. So, yeah. Act his way. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> that would be interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't want to give a shout out, uh, as I was going through the, the actors, uh, Louis Del Grand is the guy that gets his head exploded. So he's, he's got to be mentioned because uh, he is. Get a good dome to blow up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I, I swear I've seen him in something else before, but I have no idea. He just has the, one of those familiar faces. But Well, and the double of his face and his head looks so good when you're looking Doesn't at like it? behind the scenes yes. special effects videos. You're like, whoa. They got yes. it. Yeah. And let, let's, uh, let, let's talk real quick about that. Um, Howard Shore does the music in this film as well. Uh, it's good. I don't think it's as much of a, um, what you would call a character, uh, as it was in the brood, but it's a different but kind of, did he also do the auditory effects? Like when they're having the psychic battles, is that well, Howard? That Shore would as be, well? To me, I'm looking if there'd be any because I thought that stuff was really effective when you have the sound effects going because otherwise yeah. it's just actors like looking weird at the screen, <laughs> right? Like giving Look the like they've got a looks and like you know, <laughs> yeah, Look like you know. trying to poop. Yeah, um, <laughs> that that the, that would the sound effects really help in those scenes. Great yeah. to have that and just have like fart noises. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, somebody has to do that. No. <laughs> Um, special effects, uh, Gary Zeller, uh, Dennis Pike, Jacques Godbot, Louise Craig, and Don Barry were all in on the special effects. Um, I thought, um, was it, uh, I thought Tom Savini was in on that or maybe not. No, he's not. No, no he's, I watched uh, the behind the scenes. The head explosion, he's a, is maniac when the guy yeah. gets shot and his head explodes car, right? that that's yeah. tom savini um yeah i don't see anything um that has like sound effects or yeah. anything so that might it that's might have howard been, short i think it really helps the film yeah yeah yep. so anyway <clears throat> um what was i saying you were starting with the music <laughs> yeah i started with the music and then that gave you gave you the uh um, the special effects, you know, because they deserve to be uh, shouted out because there's some good special effects in this. The naked um, effects are awesome. Yeah. 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 My my um, thoughts on the movie, first impressions, I, I've seen this one a long time ago, saw it again. Um, I, I like the premise of the film, but it doesn't quite live up uh, to what I think it should be, uh, apart from a couple of really fantastic scenes here and there. Um, part of that is maybe some of the writing, some of, some of the acting, uh, mostly the lead guy who, like you said, we, Stephen lack lacks some <laughs> charisma or whatever. Um, they needed somebody to to kind of <laughs> they needed somebody to kind of uh match Michael Ironside. Yeah, can you imagine you know, like, like Kurt Russell Ironside, was in this role or something like that at this time? Michael Ironside oh. 
Yeah, Michael Ironside, like when he's on screen, he's just like you're like you can't man. touch him. I mean, yes. nothing compares to him. Yeah, and then like even when he's they're in the subway and he's talking about uh, that guy, he's like, if he finds out anything, kill him, kill him. You know, I just, I mean, that he's just macho and cool, and you just want to. This is another movie where we have boring leads uh, yeah. surrounded by awesome character actors. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Michael Ironside is awesome. We got Robert Silverman again. He's the artist that gets shot up. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but and he doesn't have cool near presence. enough to do. No, yeah. I wish he was in it longer because he's such a weird, you know, weird actor in a lot of yeah. ways. And yeah. you got Patrick, uh, was it McGowan, right, as yes. Dr. Ruth? Um, but I can't hear his voice without picturing Edward Longshanks from Braveheart. Uh, yeah. But he's, <laughs> yep. he's, he's an awesome actor, you know? Um, but, uh, it's, you know, every time, every time, again, somebody else shares a screen with our leads, they totally steal it from them. And Jennifer O'Neill is not that great. Yeah. She was fine. She was okay. I guess she wasn't like, yeah, she wasn't like, um, dynamic or, or both of our protagonists. Yeah. You can tell they're both dull. They're both underdeveloped characters. It's difficult to care about them. I think. But I will yeah. say this. I will say this, and this will happen. It will totally happen. If they th- they should have done this before they did Dead Ringers, this would be a fantastic series. Oh yeah, it's a, a fantastic cool series world that he's building here. Yeah, uh, I mean the tagline uh, for this was uh, there are four p- billion people on Earth. Not anymore. There's more like what seven? I don't know. I think we're uh, around yeah. <laughs> Only 237 are scanners. Did you know that? That's what there's it says on the tagline. I do know. <laughs> yeah. There's, it's kind of like an X-Men feel to the whole thing. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But can you imagine, yeah, like, this? Yeah. there's this vigilante group of scanners that want to wage war against the non-scanners and take over the world. And, and that would be a phenomenal series. Um. So please well, do that. In, partnered with the whole pregnant women thing. They, I wanted them to yeah. take that farther. Mm, yeah. yeah. Yep. That, that's the way they, you know, uh, yeah. can grow their army or whatever. I don't know. Cool. Yeah. Definitely something that, um, that I think will probably be coming it. Cause they're already, th- you know, if they're making dead ringers into a series, they're, they're already thinking about that. Uh, there has been rumors of a scanners remake and stuff for so many years. There's, there's also scanners two and scanners three. I've never seen either one of them. I didn't don't even know, know if, that. Yes. Don't know if they're any good. David Cronenberg had nothing to do with them. Mm. Um, but he definitely, uh, probably sold the rights uh, for them to do that. Don't know if they're any good or not. Um, <clears throat> All right, where was I at? Where was I at? Oh, yeah. So let, let's talk about just some things. Those were my first impressions. So here, here's some uh, things that we want to talk about. Throw it out there. Who wants to talk? Good, bad, ugly, whatever. I mean, good and ugly. The yeah. uh, excellent body and gore effects. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I think we should just start there because that's the real, you know, that's what we come for yeah. <laughs> in this film. It's not for Cameron Bale. <laughs> uh, we come to see... You know, heads explode and, you know, bulging, bleeding veins and forearms. Um, yeah. That that stuff, when that's on screen, it is awesome. Uh, How do they do the, that? That shot of Revic screaming with the white eyes. Oh, you know? Oh, What's well, on the poster? Yeah. 
Yeah, the poster shot. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's, it's and it's iconic. You know. Yeah. I we I've seen lots of things on how they did the head explosion. You yeah. know, it was just kind of like this that they just shot it. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, it, and wasn't it like it was like pig guts and stuff in there, right? Like I think yeah, a little was, bit of everything in there. I think it was a little bit of everything. Maybe, yeah. Or, so it, it was. Um, I think the part that you're referring. I think they had like rabbit livers or something and <laughs> leftover lunch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So is that like a ham sandwich? That. Where does some leftover ham burgers? Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. the head was made out of uh, latex. Yeah. Oh, and dog they food. Shot it, dog they food. They shot it with rock salt so that it would explode like that. Yeah, but it was great. It looked great. But I, I've never heard how they did the ending Be- because there's no like with the veins. Yeah, I'm not sure. Great. Coming down the the forearm and on the face, I'm yeah, like there's no out. there's no CGI. How are they doing that? Like, because it didn't yeah. look so, like. I'm assuming I they watched, had like a latex, you know, mold or something attached to their face. But normally, pump. when you do that, yeah. you can tell like that's bulky. Yeah, like, like that, right. It just didn't look like there was any added. You know, makeup or t- and it, it just it looked phenomenal. Looked really good. Yeah. yeah, it does look really there's, good. There's a behind the scenes thing on on YouTube too. I didn't get to watch the whole thing because I didn't have enough time. But that is actually a reshoot that they brought them back four months later and re- uh, the the special oh, wow. effects guys actually on there talking about it. So I don't know if they like had some kind of epiphany of how they could do it so much better or whatever, but mm. uh, it looks amazing. But yeah, they brought them back to reshoot that and that scene so yeah oh, that's and, cool. and then and then uh cameron like catching on fire yeah looks great His burnt corpse afterwards look really good yeah, yeah. <laughs> really looks good any any time and there's a lot of shotgun shots in this movie as well people getting shot with guns and shotguns and stuff squibs and, going off yeah 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 um that i mean if you're here for the beginning and the head explosion and the end and all that like it Everything else is worth it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. hang in there. That stuff is is worth it uh, to, to me. Um, I agree. The last, like, scene of the whole movie, the final act is so good. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that um, I, I was watching this <laughs> YouTube uh, video where this guy was uh, kind of reviewing it, and he said... Uh, if if they remade this movie today, like that last showdown in the uh, uh, the office or whatever, it would be like on top of a skyscraper or someplace cool. It wouldn't be in just the office uh, of Dun- oh, Dunder yeah. Mifflin. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah. that, that made me laugh out loud because it was mm-hmm. just a straight office. Like it wasn't anything like. Uh, you know, like you said, uh, coming back to to do the reshoot, they were probably like, "Crap, where are we going to do this?" Yeah. Well, let's do it. Uh, Joe's got an office we can uh, shoot. At, you know? <laughs> yeah. so it wasn't the sexiest of uh, of locations. Settings, yeah. Yes, uh, but it's believable by doing that. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's where they were supposed to be. So yeah, yeah. Invading that the big corporation. Yeah, I guess so. I guess there could have been maybe like a, a a vat of boiling liquid or something. That, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it was good. Um, 
I kind of, uh, I kind of wish there was more head explosions. Yeah, I like to see a whole <laughs> room of people just popping. Yeah, and maybe they did. But didn't then like... would would the head explosion be as iconic though if they did, had a whole bunch of them? I'm not talking about a whole bunch. I mean, maybe just another one or two. Uh, <laughs> I, what I, I was bet, hoping I they were even surprised at how good that was. They bet they were wishing they would have done more of those. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> it, yeah. What I was hoping was because um, I I hadn't seen this in so long. I couldn't remember if there were more than one head explosion. And when they uh, came in to Benjamin Pierce's barn or whatever. Yeah, I was just shot, thinking the I, same exact thing. I yeah. was hoping like he would <laughs> pop some heads there. It's kind of underwhelming just, the way they're all taken out. Yeah, they just got thrown up against the wall and yeah, that, that kind of thing, which is, you know, which is fun. You can I think like only... just seeing like somebody like their head starting to split, you know, like it doesn't quite explode, but he's getting there. Or, or how about this? I couldn't believe they didn't do this. How just like blood coming out of the nose and the eyes and yeah, the, have their and eyes the mouth or something like that. You know, you know, I was, I was hoping a little bit of that and they didn't do that. So maybe they ran out of money. Uh, well, I was thinking that Revic is like the most powerful one of the scanners. Right. And he was one who's able to make that guy's head explode. Yes. So I think it's, it was probably, I think part of it is probably that like only he has achieved like the mastery of a head yeah. explosion. We're seeing Vale's progression. Yeah. Right. Like from homeless drifter to almost like a superhero by the end. Yeah. I mean, it's the journey should probably be more interesting than it is. Um, but <laughs> you know, it would have been great to have some, some spectacle inside that barn. Yeah. I, I think that barn that's, was that's cool. exactly that what they should have cool. done. It was cool. exactly what they should have done is, is blood out of the eyes. And, and because that's not quite a head explosion, but it's still, you know, still violent. Um, yeah. But talk about that barn, the artwork, the whole, um, he's got a little, a little place to sit in that big head in his own head. I think is what it is, right? He's like yeah. hiding in his own mind. You know? Yeah. yeah. Very on cool. the nose kind of symbolism there. Yep. Yeah. His and I like cool. That. Like that, like that's yeah. how he gets the voices to stop. Is his art? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of wish that were, there was more explanation of who the scanner community is, because yeah. I was kind of like, I wasn't. I don't feel like I, I entirely really understood who, yeah. what the scanners' lives were like. Like, I, on the one hand, I felt like there was an, almost an impression that like they're oppressed somehow, or they're being hunted, but they don't really act it. You know, like one of the things that irritates me in movies is like when characters don't take the most basic of precautions, like <laughs> the hippie, the hippie scanners that we end up meeting. Yeah. Like, I think when Cameron Vale like goes there, he has to, like he has to, like, you know, convince them to let him in or something like that. But like when they're all like doing their little commune thing, they don't even lock the door. Like they don't have anybody right. like standing guard or anything like that. They just, you know, the, the bad guys just walk in and start blowing them away. Um, yeah. When you know that somebody's out there trying to kill you, like, I don't know. Use a lock. Um, yeah, possibly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it's irritating in those. So that is I, when, when things like that happen, I'm like, I don't understand the danger level that these people live in. But right. <laughs> yeah, and I thought like the background story of the drug, you know, that uh, pregnant women took getting yeah, very their baby type thing. Yeah, yeah like yeah. the. The story is cool, but I did wonder mm -hmm. if that part of the story where the doctor was like the dad 
of Vale and Revic? Like, was that needed, do you guys think? Because I didn't feel like it actually added anything. No, and he goes crazy kind of quickly. Like, the ending feels very rushed. Yeah. Like, Dr. Ruth just, like, loses his mind in one monologue. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? You know, <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't know. It, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. You know, yeah. it's these weird twists that all of a sudden are happening. I don't know. It, it's, it, but, you know, like, uh, I think, I don't know. Did, did you say it, Jessica, that, you know, Cronenberg was writing the movie basically as they were filming. So, um, I think uh, Tammy were, had said that. Yeah. Uh, Tammy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but there's a certain level of, you know, forgiveness that we have to give um, here. But totally. it, just, it does come off very rushed in some ways. And some of the twists I don't think are necessarily necessary. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it is a cool basis, though. Yeah. Um, right. You know, the, you know, they're obviously nodding to the whole thalidomide crisis in the 1960s where pregnant women were given the drug to combat. Was it morning sickness, right? Uh, yeah. Resulting in birth defects. Uh, we, we do see Cronenberg kind of go back to I think his childhood in a lot of ways. Um, we got those, those scanner hippies again, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like those 1960s social experiments that failed to challenge authority when they were trying to. Um, and uh, I was just thinking about, you know, how many, um, how many telekinesis movies were cropping up throughout the seventies and uh, what was actually spurning that. Um, I was looking into a little bit of it, I guess, uh, Early 1970s, both the U.S. and the Soviet Union started funding these uh, top-secret programs to try and use mm-hmm. psychics to spy on each other. Uh, the U.S., it was called Project Stargate. Um, and one of the people that they, I guess, consulted at one point was uh, Yuri Geller. He was that guy who, like, you know, would claim he could bend spoons with his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Although he had a very infamous uh, Johnny Carson appearance in 1973 when he couldn't perform a single act because it was in a controlled environment um i know that the james randy um the magician and debunker he was kind of his arch enemy um but uh <laughs> there was kind of like this you know the 1970s was this era where you saw a lot of this kind of thing start to really you know a lot of very pseudoscience yeah. things <laughs> pop up that cronenberg is is starting to glom onto that's very interesting yep um, I'm not super familiar with. The... Oh, go ahead, Tammy. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say um, that behind the scenes thing that I was watching, um, originally Michael Ironside was just supposed to only be in that, you know, he was first seen in that clip where he had tried to put the hole in his head, you know, and he was in that like black what and an white. awesome scene. Like, that was an awesome scene. Well, he was only supposed to be in that. He was literally at that time, he's a Canadian obviously um and he was like literally working on the crew to like help clean up and that kind of thing and taking whatever bit parts he could get and uh david uh cronenberg let him like okay i knew i need like a student someone to be like a student and he was so impressed by his um performance that yeah michael ironside was born wow it is interesting that, that archival footage of him you know being questioned he does actually look a lot younger in that. Yeah, scene. yeah, like, yeah. He looks like yeah. he's in his early twenties there, you know, and yeah. uh, it's it's just a really great performance. It definitely, I kept getting vibes from a, you know, like the Terminator films when you see those mm-hmm. those kind of interview tapes where they start going crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, I was definitely getting vibes from that. But um, yeah, I mean, Ironside is just awesome in this. 
been nice to see a flashback of him uh, drilling that hole in his head. That would have yeah, been nice. Yeah, yeah. That would have been cool. So cool. Yeah. What do they call it? Japaning? Isn't that what it's uh, called? Yep. When they put holes in the yep. skull? Yep. Yeah. Because yeah. he's just trying to relieve the pressure. Because <laughs> you think about that, that's what, you know, a lot of the, the scanners just had so there, many people's thoughts yeah. and, and so much noise in their head and drive you crazy. I thought that Cronenberg did a good job of that, of kind of giving us an idea about what it would be like to be a scanner in various scenarios, you know, mm-hmm. uh, drilling the hole in the head, excuse me, <clears throat> another call. Um, you know, the, the artist trying to work his way own, his own way through it all, uh, you know, um, the kind of drug addiction that they end up getting um, to try and suppress those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, uh, he showed a very cool variety of experiences that these people would have probably had given their abilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That was really cool. Yeah. I, I was trying to, I, I did know something was up with Dr. Ruth. Like there's just something off from the beginning, like what what's going on. And I still don't know if I completely understood exactly what happened. Like what, what exactly was he talking about? The the ride? The, is that what he was saying? Ride program? Or what what was he saying that when he went when he went crazy? Like I don't I still didn't no. quite understand what the heck was going on. That's yeah, I, I don't remember it well enough. <laughs> yeah. So I he he thought, I believe why he ended up going crazy is he thought his drug was being used for good for the scanners. He didn't know that that corporation, whatever they were called, that program was uh, what was like, they had like a network going where they were like feeding these doctors who were like, you know, then giving it these, it has the whole thing that was going on behind his back, I guess, called uh-huh. Ride or whatever that was, that, that uh, Vale found on the computer when he snuck in there. And I think once he told Dr. Ruth about it, I think that's what kind of blew Dr. Ruth's mind. Like he couldn't handle that his, you know, drug was being used for nefarious reasons or whatever. So, yeah, it was to help the scanners. I think he believed he was truly helping the scanners. Um, So Ruth wasn't really, didn't have any kind of like nefarious or nefarious intentions. You know, it was being done in secret. I think, you know, all that was really being done in secret, but I think he thought it was being done for good. But that politician looking guy in the gray suit, whatever, that was like the spy that was pretending to be his friend, but was really selling the secrets to that corporation and then they were producing. Yeah. That, yeah, that guy. I think that's what kind of made Ruth kind of like just freak out or whatever because he found out that whole time he was getting played. Yeah, if I have this timeline correct, right? Didn't Ruth develop the drug in the first place? And he tested it out on his wife. And yeah. then right. she gives birth to two children who are scanners. Right. But then at yeah. that point, they take it off the market for pregnant women. And they're, he uses it instead to help treat scanners to suppress all the voices. Right. But then yeah. uh, Revic is using it now to try and create more scanners by giving it to pregnant women. Yeah. And Ruth didn't know about that part. I think that's what it was, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So he well, really. That was my interpretation. Yeah. He, he wasn't really, telling Cameron Vale the whole truth, but he didn't know that it was being used yeah. to create more scanners either. Right. He right. really wanted Cameron Vale 
to to stop Revit, right? That that like yeah, I was thinking, like, is there like Cameron any Bale's sort of like son. <laughs> yeah, <you know? laughs> yeah, right. A uh, couple of good stunts in here. I like when the guy's uh, hanging on the uh, escalator in the mall at the beginning. That was a good stunt. I totally forgot about that whole mall thing in the beginning. Like, when I yeah. sat down to watch this, I thought that the head explosion was the opening scene. No. Nah. You know? Oh. Like, I totally forgot that other stuff happened beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to mention uh, Scanners 2... The New Order came out in 1991, and it's 5.2 out of 10 on um, uh, promising. Well, I mean, come on, 5.2 out of 10 for a horror movie uh, that's not like a big, you know, it, you can I mean, watch it sounds it like Shout an Factory, early 90s direct-to-video sort of thing. Shout Factory <laughs> TV, and I'm looking at some uh, photos, and there looks like, like there's some cool... Uh, makeup effects and then you've got scanners three the takeover that's only 4.4 4 out of 10 so mm. i just wanted to mention those if you really really like the scanners universe and you kind of want to see where a couple other directors took it uh, i kind of wish that there was like a Cronenberg shared universe where like yeah, right. all these things kind of exist yeah together yeah, yeah. That would be interesting. They could People make a series. Go after like broodlings or something like that and blow them up. Or, <laughs> they could make a series kind of like um, what they do. Castle Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that yeah. with uh, Stephen King. This could, you know. Uh, yeah, that would be cool. Call it Scanner Brood. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, that's stupid. Um, I'm going to ed- edit that out. Take it back. So, take it back. <laughs> yeah, take it back, Mark. It's not any good. Um. Yeah, what else? Like I I find it hard to kind of talk about this because I I, I gave you kind of like my my main likes and the rest of it I felt to just be a little, little boring. Um Well, cool. this I'm going to differ I beg to differ with you and this is my geek coming out, but I loved all those scenes. Well, I loved all the scenes in the mall and then when they were escaping and driving through the streets of Toronto. But I loved all that I I think I've mentioned before, I love watching like vintage computer uh, stuff on YouTube. <laughs> that's my secret geek. Oh, that's funny. And I just, <laughs> I, I loved just all these scenes with like all that vintage tech. I just loved it. So, I was yeah. going to say, even though probably the science doesn't hold up, I found that scene where he's like hijacking the computer system to be pretty mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of yeah. a fun addition to yeah, the, 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 the black screen and the green lettering. On the mainframe, yeah. yeah, I felt I felt like I was gonna hear, "Shall we play a game?" <laughs> and we actually start seeing a little games. bit of humor creep in to a Cronenberg film, which I don't think we've really seen much. Yeah, because there's that whole scene That's where they true. basically say, like, "Oh, you know, it's, it's, there's not gonna be any fireworks," and then you know, after they basically wipe the computer and say, "See, I told you, no yeah. fireworks," and then they all start exploding, yeah. you know. Over the yeah, place. I'm like, "Oh, Cronenberg's throwing some jokes in now," you know. I'm like, "That was funny." Yeah, be cre- funny. you know, he had me chuckling. Um, yeah. But Cronenberg, I don't think I've associated humor necessarily in his films yet. So we're seeing, I guess, you know, that might be another kind of step in confidence for a filmmaker that you could throw a little bit of some jokes in there, too. Yeah, right. Hanging out with Stuart Gordon at the time. <laughs> no. um, I, I, I thought it was funny. The one of the scientists there or whatever that was wearing sunglasses inside. 
Did you see mm-hmm. that? It's like, what's going yeah. on? Like, I'm not sure why this is happening either. Um, it's the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What else we got? Good, bad, indifferent. No, I just think that, you know, honestly, you know, like I said, I'm I'm underwhelmed by our two protagonists, but everybody else does a really good job. Mm-hmm. Um, the who, Whoever, like, the, you know, the guy that's working for Revic, you mm-hmm. know, uh, whatever. I forget his name necessarily, but you have the whole scene where he's about to kill, uh, kill the girl, right? Kim, I think her name yeah. was. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't know that she didn't take the, the medication, so she, her powers yeah. are not suppressed. Um, but there's a great scene where basically, like, his hand goes back. You know, like she basically for he he had the gun in his hand, and it's wrenched back, and it goes out of his hand. But like, it looks really good. Um, yeah. It actually like it doesn't look like somebody who's throwing their hand back. Like it actually looks like somebody twisted his arm back and started spinning him. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to give a little little nod to you know that little bit of physical acting. Um, I thought that looked great. Yeah. Oh, that's a I, good point. I was thinking that it was gonna turn the gun back on himself and shoot himself. That's what I thought was gonna happen. I was waiting for somebody to do that. Yeah, that didn't happen. Then, then I just saw in my notes. <laughs> One of the I was watching this guy on YouTube talking about this. He called the main guy a charisma vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. A what? black hole. The black hole of charisma. <laughs> I mean, on the one hand, I can see like at least in the very beginning of the film, maybe it it helps because he's kind of naive. Like, mm-hmm. he just accepts what Ruth says, like, really without question. He's, like, automatically working for him. Um, but you kind of hope there's a little more progression with him and likable yeah. ability. But I don't know. He's just, he's just so unbelievably boring. <laughs> I know. And it kind of seems like he's just been kind of, like, drifting through life, not being able to, like, focus and participate, you know, because of all the voices that are constantly, like, in his head. Um, so I thought that that was actually really cool and seeing him come out of that and like become a person for the first time in his life, you know, but, um, but yeah, then he doesn't keep that up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We don't continue to see him become more and more human, unfortunately. Yeah. How crappy for his dad to let him walk around like that, knowing that that's messed up. Well, I think they had trouble finding him too, I guess. Oh, I don't they know. were tracking okay. him, weren't they? Were they tracking him the whole time? I think, I think they said something about how they had been watching him. I don't know if Revik says it. Well, Revik says that, you know, he kind of says to him, you know, your your daddy let you just wander around out there till he yeah. needed you. Mm-hmm. That's kind of it. Like, he uses his powers in the mall, right? And they're immediately there to chase him. So they must have been following him around. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a hell of a coincidence that they would be hanging out in the, the food court when uh, That's a scanner is using his... Um, his abilities, but yeah, I thought it was cool. Um, because they could have explored even more with the mind. I, I don't know, is it really like mind control or you know, but the 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 lady near the end where she makes the guard see his mom? Oh, yeah, yeah. that was cool. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. He was like, I'm sorry, that, mom, I didn't mean you know. That that was pretty cool. They could have gone down that road. That's why I said like a TV show or something where you could flesh yeah. this out. Yeah. yeah. 
A little they bit. had different types of mind powers. And, yeah, different yeah. types of mind powers. Some could just make you go crazy. Some could make you do certain things, see th- certain things. and um, Yeah, because I wasn't exactly 100% sure, you know, what what does a scanner do? Can they read your mind or do they just, they hear everybody's, so I, I, like, I don't know. Like, I don't still don't yeah, know. Why would they be hunted? Like, why would they be? They're not really like a danger or anything. You know, like, why are they being hunted and being taken out and stuff? They don't really ever tell you to get you to care. I mean, if they can blow your head up, then that. Then yeah, I was going to say Ironside is dangerous. They could po- pose yeah, a threat. Has he been blowing up people's heads behind the scenes? Like, we only see that, like. They were yeah. already being hunted before we ever see him do that. You know what I mean? They but just I don't. They, I, I'm sure there's a reason, yeah. but they just don't ever kind of tell us. It starts out with him with them being hunted. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. It might have been just because he had made it clear that he was recruiting to try to form oh, some yeah. sort of a army to get people like um, mobilized. Yeah. To to take over you know right yeah yeah i think that's what was happening yeah so what else anything else before we rate it no we're gonna throw my notes yeah like i said i like to have it on in the background um you know just for like the cool fun stuff going on and all the chaos but um but as far as like really caring about any of the characters i don't <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I cared more about michael ironside than it yeah totally else. yeah you kind of start rooting for him because you don't want him to leave the screen that's right uh, yeah mm-hmm. but i do like the end and i think um something with david cronenberg i think i like all of his endings yeah. you know what i mean like they always kind of yeah. surprise me and um in a good way so this just kind of reminded me of that as well. Cause I was like, yeah, some of this is like underwhelming, but I do like that ending, you know, and I always do. Yeah. And do you think that that, you know, that's for sure what happened is he was able to switch his consciousness into, uh, that body. Or, well, clearly or... because or... it had blue eyes or whatever. <laughs> The eye color change. Oh, the eye color change. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Because I was thinking, like, is he pretending? Is he trying to. Didn't you notice that Michael Ironside became less interesting all of a sudden? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He became really. He was like a wet blanket. Yeah. Good stuff. It's me, Kim. Cameron. Yeah. I got crap. Yeah. All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, rate this sucker. Go ahead, Jessica, rate it. Yeah, um, so, you know, there's issues, but it's still really fun, and I think it's had a pretty big impact on other um, sci-fi thrillers that are like this, you know, um, in general. And there are elements of the story that I just find really fascinating, you know, in the sci-fi realm that I enjoy. Um, obviously the special effects are awesome, which is always the most important thing for me. So I gave this an eight out of 10. I like it a little bit less than the brood now. All right. Um, Vin. 
Um, also, I'm pretty sure eight out of ten. Uh, same sort of thing. Awesome, uh, awesome effects. Really cool concept. Michael F and Ironside. Um, <laughs> you know, if we had a if we had a more enjoyable protagonist, I'm sure it would be way higher. Um, it could be yeah. you know a stellar film. But uh, yeah, it's just there's there's moments in the movie where I do get bored. Um, yeah. but it, it does bring me back. So yeah, an eight gonna have to ask you to watch your language pal this is an all ages podcast <laughs> um yeah uh for me like i said the 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 beginning scene with the head explosion and then the i i actually enjoy the final scene even more um in between it was just really uh kind of a slog to get through for me, I, I'm giving this uh, a six and a half out of ten. Um, uh, you know, it it probably deserves a seven or seven and a half, but I, I, for some reason, I just didn't, I just couldn't get into um, uh, the the story as much as I wanted to. But the things that I liked about it, I really liked about it. So um, that's why I said I hope that they either remake this or or do a a tv series because i like the 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 premise and i like uh, where it could go um that because that's the thing you know you you've gotta you've gotta care about the characters mm-hmm. for yeah. you to yeah. really connect with it and like the movie and i just like Vince said, like I just didn't connect with that dude. I didn't connect with the the girl either. I connected more with Michael Ironside, mm-hmm. um, and maybe uh, you know maybe it would have been cool to see see him be the lead, um, like and like yeah. turn it on its head and like you're seeing it from his perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, that would have been cool. I don't know. Because even even the bad guys, they think they're the good side. The good side, right? You know? mm-hmm. They always have like some sort of motivation that they use to justify, you know, whatever it is that they're doing. It could be a cool twist if Cameron Bale was actually working for the bad guys the whole time, you know. And yeah, we switch it over, and we actually want Michael Ironside to win, you know. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So just maybe wanted... maybe what he was doing was actually the more just thing. I mean, that's yeah. not what it is, but it would have made a cool twist. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, all right. Uh, everyone has rated. Tammy, did you rate? No. All right. What do you think? Um, I was going to say before, if you want to see an impressive IMDb, look at Michael Ironside's IMDb. That's just a little side note there. Um, <laughs> I was also going to give this an eight. Um, I just connected with it more. I agree with all the things you guys said. There are definitely some problems and some kind of huh moments for me, but. I didn't care what I liked about it. I liked enough that, you know, and yeah, Michael frickin' I died. So, eight. All right, we're going to have to get out of here because you guys, the language is flying. I'm going to have to put a, an explicit uh, stamp on this oh. episode. Mark, don't be a charisma vacuum. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, all right. Very good. Well, it was a good episode. Uh, good, good, uh, good films to have to rate. 
you know it, it, sometimes we've done films where i'm like oh gosh but both of these films um even though i liked one significantly more than the other are classics in their own right so um if you have not seen either one of these films i say i i think all four of us would say absolutely watch both of them yes absolutely yeah, I agree. check it out if you have yep. hbo max boom they're right there in hd for you watch that if not you know, a three ninety nine, four ninety nine rental or something would be absolutely uh, worth both of these. I think mm-hmm. uh, so. And if you're a sci fi kind of horror fan, these are these would I would I would say are almost blind buys. Um, yeah. If you're if you're sci fi horror fan, so all totally. right. Let's go ahead and give our uh, little plugs, and then we're going to get out of here. Jessica, where can people find you on the interwebs? On Instagram, I'm amateur.destroyer. On Twitter, I'm at amateurdestroya. On Facebook, I'm Jessica Schmidt. And on Letterboxd, I'm ashy underscore slashy. All right. How about you, Tammy? You know, (laughs) Terminator Tammy Turner on Facebook. That's it. That's it. Taminator Tammy Turner. All right, Vin. Vin Horrorcast on Facebook. I think it's Revenant Vin on Instagram. And it's Revenant Reads on YouTube. Yes, he does, folks. He does read. He does. He learned. He learned back in the third. I do book learning. All right. If you want to uh, be old school and email us, you can do so at askthehorrorcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the HCast or on Facebook there. Uh, we have we all have pages. The HorrorCast has its own page. And then on Instagram at the HorrorCast. All righty. Everybody all right, good? Right. We're all good. Right. Uh, next next uh, episode, 171, is going to be our uh, you, I guess it's going to be kind of like the April slash May roundtable since we didn't get to do a roundtable here in April. Shame on us. Uh, so we'll be talking about uh, all the stuff we've been watching. And then episode 172, we're going to get into uh, the dead zone, right? And what was the other one? The fly. Yes. I cannot wait for that. Uh, those are two good movies. I'm sorry. Um, the fly, especially man, I haven't seen that in quite some time and I'm really looking forward to, to watch it. I'm going to, I want to sit the whole family down and we're going to watch that. Bad boy. <laughs> <Nice. day. laughs> I'm serious. It's, it's going to gross them out. I love it. It's going to gross them out. <laughs> oh, it absolutely will. Awesome. Didn't his jaw fall off at one point? Yep. Something falls off. Yeah. Yeah. I think like his ear or something falls yeah, off. Yeah. I think everything eventually falls off. <laughs> and she means everything. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Horror Kiss, where it's all killer, no filler. Stay scared. <laughs> <laughs>